And if there's anybody that I know of, player, coach, teacher, student, or anybody that I've ever talked to about hitting, he knows, he knows more about my principles that I believe in hitting than anyone I've ever been with. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for believing in me. I'm Steve Ferroli. You are listening to the Ted Williams League Baseball Podcast. Days at the playground or right out in the street. Baseball Hi, I'm Steve Ferroli, sitting here with Matt Marini and Dylan McDonald. This is the Ted Williams League Podcast. How you doing, boys? Doing good, Coach. How are you? Uh, still breathing. Kicking along. <laughs> Dylan? I'm doing good, Coach. Uh, busy this time of year, but it's a good time of year. Baseball season's right around the corner, so. Yeah, it feels good to uh, yeah. be back at it. we got a nice high school class going on. I went Max and uh, um Anthony and um, Matt, Matty Bowles, and um, some nice new kids that I'm really happy to have out there. You know, um, I feel bad for t- Tim though. Tim hurt his wrist or something, and he's been out. And we have one boy I can't remember his name. I want to say David. Uh, first night he he did something. We looked great on the first night, and then he hurt himself doing something else. Um, you know, not a not baseball, but something else, and. Um, uh, He's been out of it, so I always feel bad when I hear about these injuries, you know. But we got a bunch of cool things to talk about tonight. Um, so let me do this one. This is the most exciting thing for me. Um, and it's going to be kind of tricky to follow along a bit, but my birthday just went by. and uh, Happy I'll, birthday, oh, Coach. Well, thanks. You know, you guys text me, and I appreciate all that, you know. But, you know, it, it uh, you know, it, it, um, you, you know, you get different things, and, you know, you, people are nice, you know, you know, saying happy birthday on Facebook and stuff like that. And then the last present I got is from my friend, uh, Joe Carreri. And um, I'm opening this present, and he's uh, a friend of my daughter's. And I'm opening this present, and I'm like, what is this? And I see that it's kind of like a baseball bat, and I get half it open. And... I see the handle, and I'm like, "What? What is this?" So I, I can't get the rest of it off. So I finally pull the, the you know, the paper or the box, whatever it was. I can't remember now. And I pull it out, and what I'm looking at is about a 70-year-old little league version of a Ted Williams bat made by Hilrich and Bradsbury. Now, what is really exciting, and you guys have. These, the guys with me have seen this bat at this point. You know, we just showed it to them tonight. What's really interesting about it is that bat is designed almost exactly the way the Ted Williams League is now designing their bats. So my point is, is that if you've been following along with our criticism or hopes of helpful criticism toward other leagues in regard to their dimensions, what I'm saying is, this bat that was made 70 years ago, the best bat makers in the world saw the dimensions of the bat almost identical to the way we're seeing them uh, back in 1997. So this bat was probably made in the late 40s. And now I open a package and it's almost identical 
to what the Ted Williams League claimed to be done in 1997. So it's almost like this missing link. It's like, you know, digging up this, 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 this body that fits on the, the Darwin chain or something, you know, out of ice. And you're like, hey, look at this. This kind of proves that. So what I'm saying to you is that at the point that this bat was made, Hilbertson Bradsbury was probably a company for 70 years already. Remember, Hilrich and Bradsbury was making baseball bats during the Civil War. So they're now making this bat in the late 40s, we'll say 1950, we'll make it easy. But I bet you it was before that. And now they are making the bat, the best bat people in the world are making the bat for a child. But what they don't know is that that child is over the wrong plate with the wrong bat. And therefore, they, no, I'm sorry, they were over the wrong plate with the wrong ball. And therefore, the bat that Hilrich and Bradsbury was, is, was making would not hold up. Now, what did you guys think when you saw that bat? I thought it was, I mean, at first I thought it was just one of your bats that yeah. you made because it looks so similar. And I was just, it was pretty shocking to see how similar it looked. Yeah, it, it, it's, Dylan, what do you think? Yeah, it's pretty incredible to see. I mean, I was not expecting that at all. And um, it's just interesting how, you know, the bats really changed once once Little League came into the picture, it seemed like, because, like you were saying, this bat was made before Little League. Well, well, this bat was made for Little League. So my point, and I'm glad you remember, you know, Dylan, what are you, 21? Yeah. And Matt, you're 21 too, right? Yep. So... You know, we've got an old dog and two young dogs here, and this is really quite a history lesson if, you're, if anyone is following along with this too. I mean, there has been a ton of work put into this, and what I'm saying is that the correct bats today, they're all ridiculous. They're, they're wrong. They had to go to an alien subject, uh, substance to try to fix what is wrong with the dimensions of the game. So to, to summarize it, what I'm saying is because you have the wrong plate, and the wrong ball, you have the wrong bat. And what's really fun for me on my birthday was to get a bat from my friend Joe that is exactly the way I think it should have been, only this bat was made 70 years ago. So the bat makers of Hilbert and Bradsbury, again, that were in a company 70 years ago that had been around for 70 years. These people, this they didn't just start doing this the day before. This 70 years into being a bat company, and now Little League is formed, and they're asked to make bats for these kids. So their bat makers, okay, well, they should look like this because this is the normal scaling of the bat made of wood dropped down for that sort of body. But what the bat makers don't realize is that they're going to bat with that bat over the wrong plate with the wrong ball. Now, what happened to these bats? I'll tell you exactly what happened because if I can make a bat 70 years later almost identical to them without even knowing that bat was in existence, I can say this to you. What happened is all those bats broke because the pitcher overthrew the ball, the ball was too heavy, and it hit the bat and the bat snapped. What's really interesting is that the bat has a spiral taped safety piece of tape on it, and I bet that's there in case the bat was to splinter and break in half, which we actually did as well, but it never was really important because our bats held up fine for years, our bats. We had four new bats we used last year, only one of them broke and we used them a ton. 
So anyway, that if you're following this, I'd love to, if you want to email us a comment on it, it's really interesting. I think I'm going to make Hillrich and Bradsbury aware of, of this uh, just interesting piece of history. So what I'm saying is Hillrich and Bradsbury was correct. Just like the University of Pennsylvania, when they told Karl Stotz not to go ahead with his dimensions because some of them were wrong. Hillrich and Bradsbury was following the same line I, I am today. And that is the line to be on. So I just wanted to talk about that a bit. And if you are following this and you want to make a comment, or we'd love to hear it. You know, you could do it by emailing us at tedwilliamsleague at yahoo.com. Uh, that probably the easiest way. We have a Facebook page, Ted Williams Baseball League. You can make a message or comment there, and um, and we'll talk about it more in another podcast. It's good to be back on this. You know, I I uh, in the fall had a tough fall. You know, I had some surgery, and uh, I'm doing great now. I I pushed a hernia a little bit too far, and it finally said, "Hey, dummy, <laughs> we're coming to get you." And uh, I was sad because it was on a ZD night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was for my birthday. Oh, it was, yeah, Matt's birthday, and I ended up in the hospital. Don't hang out with Matt, I'll tell you that. He'll tell you, take you down, Matt. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so I got a little bit behind, so we haven't podcasted for a while, but but I'm feeling really good and uh, and really excited. You know, here's another thing, too. Um, Matt's at Bridgewater State University, um, and he's actually working on editing uh, hit your potential, which we're putting back in print. Now, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, so, Hit Your Potential was the the second book. The first book I wrote in 1987 was called Disciple of a Master, and then I wrote another one called Hit Your Potential in 1997. And um, what we've decided to do is to put that back in print because it was ahead of its time. So what happened is uh, Masters Press had published the book and um, they called me about, I'm going to say seven years ago, and they said, geez, you know, what's gonna, what's coming out of print because it's not selling enough. It was a nice run, and we appreciate your work on it. We think it was a really good book. I said, well, don't do it. It's ahead of its time. And they're saying, well, what do you mean? I said, well, it, it, it's ahead of its time. Just let it hang in there a little bit more because I'm watching on TV, and I'm seeing big Johnny Gomes with his hands in good position. I'm seeing the, the downswing fade out of the game. See, so it comes slightly up. Everybody's starting to get in the stretch position. And I said, oh, man, okay, this is actually working. I remember meeting with Ted, and I said, Ted, who swings down anymore? And he said, nobody. So it was really exciting, you know. So anyway, um, we decided, I went on Amazon looking for something, uh, we'll talk about this too. We'll talk about our timing light. Make sure we get back to that. You know, we we did something in the program that's, in my opinion, has never been done before in baseball, and I think it's really important. I'm gonna do a YouTube video video on it when I get a little time. But I was on Amazon looking for what you call a momentary temporary switch, and I said, oh, while I'm on here, I'll go see if anybody. You know, my book is still on here in a used copy or whatever. Used copy, $100.83. I said, okay, well, that tells me that people want this information. So I said, you know, and people would call me, where can we get this book, where can we get this book? I said, well, it's out of print. And I, you know, I just didn't, you know, I knew I'd get back to it at some point. But that really motivated me. So that's pretty much ready to come back out. We're going to put, you know, uh, a lot of our kids that are in the program this winter in it. You know, certainly our high school kids and maybe our junior high kids and stuff. We'll see how that goes. And uh, so I'm really excited about it. And Matt's been uh, Matt's in at Bridgewater State University in the writing program, so he's doing the editing. So 
you know, if there are any mistakes, call Matt. It's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, how has it been uh, editing the book so far? It, it's been fun. I mean, it's it's important to remember, too. I mean, the book already was in print, so it's already been through its fair share of editors. So it's not like I, I have, you know, a load of work to do. But it, it's it's fun to do, and it relates to what I may be doing in the future as a career. And it's also good for me as a as a ball player to, like, be reading the book thoroughly because I have to, you know, look at every detail of the book and and uh, read things that I've heard Steve talk about before but not in as much detail as is in the book and it's it's been a it's been a fun experience so far yeah you know it's um, it's kind of funny because when I worked at Ted Williams camp I remember that whole idea of you know taking it to a more detailed level and uh, that's when things really started happening for me you know of course I was a college player at the time and I just started I won't say trying harder but trying Hotter and more detail is a good way to maybe explain it. And, um, you know, looking at the finer points of the game and, and getting good at that, you know, and uh, or understanding them before even getting good at them, you know. So I'm really excited about that. We were just looking at some of the, uh, you know, it's probably going to be an electronic version at first, a PDF which you can buy off the, the, uh, the website. I'm actually thinking of making it a flip book. And the reason I say that is because a flip book would allow us to maybe have a link, like if I wanted to do a, a preface, it would link to, you know, like either a YouTube video or something like that where you can, or if there's a part of the hitting mechanics, like well, immediately what comes to mind is a thing I call a glide, which is a very hard thing to explain in print and in photos, and that might be better to just pop in a little YouTube clip of the glide and you know uh, you know 30 second clip that it that demonstrates it so a flip book can do that very very well and very easily so that might be a, an avenue but i just wanted everybody to be aware that it, it'll be coming out and i could see it you know i'd say soon i mean it's almost done mm -hmm. so we're on it you know i think anybody who uh wants to get better at the skill of hitting absolutely needs to get the book when it comes out again and because um, I mean, even just as someone who's listened to countless lectures from you, it's diff <laughs> it's different when you're able to sit down and write it, and you know you like won't forget anything. You'll say it exactly as it needs to be said, and it's it's a very good read. And for anybody who has, who doesn't live around the area that we're in in Massachusetts, I definitely recommend uh, uh, getting a copy once it comes out. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, I, you know, I always thought that it was, um, you know, I think of it as a sequel. You get the science of hitting, then you have Disciple of the Master, then you have Hit Your Potential, and I and I am committing to another hitting book. It'll be my last one, I can tell you that, but I am going to commit to another one, but I don't know when that'll be done, but I want to approach it kind of the information from a different perspective. Um, and um, But this book right here, it's not just that it's going back in print, it's also updated, you know, there are, we go in that you know there's it's not exactly the same book as the last one there is a lot of changes to it as well different photos different different you know um descriptions and we talk a little bit different about some of the information in it so it's not just uh the same book put back out i'd say i changed about maybe 10 20 percent of it but it is it's an updated version is probably the best way to explain it so what else you guys want to talk about? 
That was fun. Uh, but we have to talk about the timing light that you oh, mentioned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, you guys, you, see if you guys can explain to our audience what the timing light is. I uh, know. And Mickey, you'll see if you can I mean, we'll, we'll work them, guys. We're going to work them right I'm now. I'm pretty confident. But you, you guys got it. I'm shutting up. I'm sipping my water. So anyone who's familiar with uh, Steve and Ted's um, theories on hitting uh, should know that by the time the pitcher is about to release the ball, you should be starting your stride uh, to begin your swing. And whenever we we have many um, indoor programs, and we like to film each kid hitting. Uh, but the angle from which we film that is from about like, if it's a right-handed batter, it would be like facing them about like 15 feet away. Chest angle. Yeah, and you can't see the pitching machine release the ball. So what Steve did is he got a, um, what's it, like a temporary... Uh, uh, a limited momentary switch. Yeah, what it's called. so basically, and he put it in such a way that when the the lever of the machine comes up, which is supposed to replicate the arm of the pitcher, right as it's about to release, it flips the switch, which turns the light on for a second, and the light is right behind the hitter, which makes it into the frame of the video. So we can see if the hitter's striding on time in relation to when the pitch is about to come out of the machine. How's that sound to you, Dylan? Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, and, you know, it's honestly brilliant that you came up with that whole system and you got it to work. Um, what was brilliant is watching me wire the damn thing. <laughs> I'm a baseball coach, and I'm like, okay, this is, it's, it's, it's normally opened, it's normally closed. What the hell are you talking about? You know, I'm playing with electricity. And, but anyway, that's a start. But, you fun. know, it's, it's really going to help our players a lot, too, because, um, you know, I'll, me and Coach Matt will be in the cage uh, running the machine, and with a lot of the guys, we'll just, they're late, they're late, they're late. They they can't get to the ball on time. Um, and, you know, now when they go back and watch this film, they can actually see, okay, I really do need to start striding earlier. And I think that'll help them even more when they actually see it so they can, you know, sort of break that habit of being late to the ball. Well, you know, I'm going to go a step further with it. If, you, if you're trying to analyze a hitter, in my opinion, as Ted's chosen successor, you cannot do a good job of it unless you can isolate and determine at what point the hitter is striding forward. Now, I always talk about hitting as viewed like, like a tennis match. You look at the pitcher, and then your head moves and you look at the hitter. And that's not how you need to look at it. You know, like when the scouts watch baseball, they, they try to even, either be in center field or hopefully right behind home plate because they can see the hitter and the pitcher at the same time. Or at least, I mean, I don't know if all scouts think of it the same way I do, but when I'm watching hitting, I want to be able to see the hitter and the pitcher at the same time. Then once I make a determination about timing, I'll move to another angle for different reasons. Well, let's say someone, well, this happened years ago, somebody const, uh, contact me say well, will you teach my son how to hit we're in you know North Carolina and we're gonna we use this program and you can draw on the screen with the pencils and stuff and I said can't do it can't be done now I know people do that people that teach people how to hit will you know um, 
you know, like I, I've watched YouTube videos where they get somebody on the screen. They're like, oh, look at you know his leg angle is good, and he's you know he's got the classic bent back leg and the front straight uh, straight front leg, and you know he's, he's swinging slightly up, and they're doing all that stuff. But what they can't do is relate his swing to the proper timing of all pitches, not just one pitch, but every speed pitch. And I call it the first the first level of timing is stride timing. And then it gets more tricky because you gotta put in the pendulum and the pendulum kind of is the adjustment that's made before the pitch comes for the anticipated speed. Now some of you are like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> well you might have to get the book for this. But let me put it like this. Hitting to me is about five or six main topics. The most important two are the swing and timing. Those are the two fat ones. Then there's some others that are close seconds. But the two fat ones are the swing and timing. And you cannot get those to gel together without a timing light, in my opinion. And I've thought about doing it for years, and basically what held me up was getting the act, understanding how the switch would be fastened to the machine. If Master Pitching Machine is listening to me, I'd love for you to add this to your machinery. It'd be a great thing. Uh, might be something we can do here and sell to you, possibly, down the road. But um, I'm not a big uh, fan of the wheel machines with the short ramps. They shoot the ball out to you like you're hitting off a, uh, you know, someone shooting a gun out of their holster. It's ridiculous, you know. And um, uh, so I'm really happy about the timing light. So if you're following me, like the boy said, that you know the, the arm comes up, it hits this kind of like um, this wicket that that uh, triggers a switch, and there's a small little like bulb in a in a casing down behind the hitter's stride foot. And when you're filming filming him, you can see the you know his foot move and the light come on, which is exactly what you should see. His foot start to move when the light comes on. If you see that light come on, he hasn't moved. We got one kid in the high school class, he's pulling back, he's cocking back when the light comes on. And this kid's got some ability, he's got a nice swing, but it's it's dead late. So then you know what's gonna happen. He's gonna rush his arms, he's gonna rush everything. Got him on time, he's hitting bombs. And he was able to watch the timing light, you know, then we show him and say, okay, your foot's not moving when this light comes on. You're dead late. You're not just late. You're late like and buried too. <laughs> so anyway, that's the timing light if you follow this. What else you guys want to talk about? And you guys can comment. You want to email me about that? Like I said before, TedWilliamsLeague at Yahoo.com. And I'm slow getting back to you. This is a small organization with great ideas. And we're criticized for that. I'll accept that criticism. You know, uh, you know, you get a... It's hard. It's hard to get everything done, but we're on the right road, I'll tell you that. We're doing things that nobody's ever done before. <laughs> That's what's happening here. What do you think? Oh, let's talk about the, uh, the opening the camp testing system. So what we're going to do is, um, this, this spring and this fall, we have a summer camp, and inside that summer camp, we have this really cool testing system. What do you guys like about the testing system? You guys talk about that a little bit. Uh, well, I mean, I feel like it's a very good way to separate, like, like we we talk all the time about uh, someone's talent and someone's uh, like skill, and the testing system really like focuses solely on the skills of the game, and you can be as talented as you want, but you can't pass any test 
in the testing system without knowing the proper skills for the test. And, I mean, it, watching the players progress through the system is basically just watching them become better players. Yeah. You agree with that, gentlemen? Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, what I love about the testing system is that, you know, when some of our players get to level three or level four, they're being exposed to stuff that, you know, people who are in college might not even know how to do. Or on the TV. Right. And yeah. Have the, you ever seen a level one mistake on television? Yeah. Oh, yeah, level absolutely. Level one is our first level. You see an outfielder step in. That's what we call a false stop. He'll step in on a ball over his head. Well, you know, a major league outfielder. And I'll, I'll be sitting there, you know, watching in my living room going, that's a level one mistake. Yeah. Or you see a major league hitter taking a, a foot-tall stride. Or, or, or a major league hitter without a two-strike stroke. Now, a two-strike yeah. stroke, to give me an idea, the two-strike stroke, you have to know how to do it. To execute a good two-strike stroke in our camp, it requires three different tests. Strikes on depth, you have to show that you understand the arm position of the two-strike stroke, excuse me, and then you have to actually execute it in a cage against pitching. And in the sixth game of the World Series uh, in 2022, I did a video on it, and I think they hit like, I want to say a buck 15 or a buck 14 with two strikes. That was the batting average of the best players in the game with two strikes. So this is the type of level that we're talking about. And in my opinion, as a, a batting expert, I think that your batting average should be as good with two strikes as it is before two strikes. It's a little bit different of an approach, but it's it. that's my personal opinion. I know mine was. Go ahead, I didn't mean to cut you guys no, off. No, that's okay. And, um, you know, just the, the, the aspect of, of the tests themselves, you know, how specific it gets. You know, one of our players, he's going for his level five band this year. I mean, that's huge. And some of the stuff he has to do to be able to get that band is, you know, some really, really advanced stuff. And, you know, it's just making him a better player overall, and it's putting him ahead of most other kids his age. Yeah, and, and you know, and that boy, he was in Florida. And he just come back. He had a, a, like a week, a week and a half off. I hadn't seen him in a week and a half. And he's in our high school program. He's a sophomore. He's at Division One high school. And he had a week and a half off. And we have a couple of other boys in that program that are really, really good. And every night we have a competition. And he just walked in there and won it last night. He just won it. And when he won it, he won it with, as Matt would say, his ability and his skill or his ability and his technique, his talent and his technique combined is why he was able to just walk in there and win that contest. And that's exactly what he did. It didn't surprise me one bit. And it came down to the two or three guys that understand the most, not the most talented guys, but the most talent combined with technique. Somebody said, you think Ted Williams is the most talented guy that ever was up to the plate? No, I do not. I do not. But I think that he executed better per swing than anyone that ever walked up there. That's what I think. What else you guys got? <laughs> we can talk about uh, Ryan in college. Yeah, yeah, Ryan has transferred. Now he's at, where is he? The old North Adams. What's that Yeah, it's uh, Mass College of Liberal Arts, so MCLA. Mass College of Liberal Arts. And he's, um, Ryan, if you can hear us, uh, 
it's a ziti night, so we're really sorry you missed out. We'll put it in a in a in a Tupperware and we'll mail it. <laughs> we'll mail it to you. Maybe we'll put it like in one of those really big crates so the the whole team can have some. We'll put like extra, uh, you know, like um, shakers of Parmesan cheese and everything. You can microwave it, you know, in the cafeteria. <laughs> so how, he's he's pitching. Is yep. Relief pitching? Yep. So uh, he's relief pitcher. Um, he had a couple outings this week. And interesting enough, he played his former team this week that he played for last year. Um, you know, and he got the opportunity in a big situation to go in and, you know, made the right play, did what he was supposed to do. All right. Well, he's got good control, and he's got really good differential with that, you know, sneaky little slow curve. He's got, And then he's got that well-spotted fastball. And I think he was working on a changeup, too. So he, and he's lefty. So he's a, he's a hassle, you know. And I mean that in a good way, but uh, yeah, well, you know, we come on back here. We'll bust your balls when you get back. You know, we'll be looking, to, <laughs> looking to pick on you, and try to hit you, and all that stuff. You know, pits me. Yeah, Ryan does really well. Yeah, he actually was a uh, player coach in the Ted Williams League last year, and uh, they did really well. Yeah, right, Matt, that was that, last year was probably the best. Double A season in the history of the division, and I think next year will be even better. Especially if we get a six team, then yeah. the the league's going to be incredible. Well, you know, I'm 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 half tempted to you know with this there's such a nice high school following, uh, and you know I see these high school players that are hungry for it. I'm I'm almost like maybe I could get that six team and make it the high school team. Of course, they're going to get killed. Yeah, but. I mean, uh, it would be a nice experience. You remember, we did that. Both of you guys yeah. played for me, and that was a great year. Everyone on that team improved. Every single player. We got killed, mm -hmm. but we got better, and that's that's the only reason I coach it, anyway. It, it seems like there's so much interest in the league that you almost might not even need to do that. Yeah, the yeah. Sixteen might form on its own. Yeah. Well, maybe what could happen is, uh, you know, if I if I'm anxious to do that, I could just take a night that's high school practice like. And they can play uh, scattered throughout the teams. Or there can be a, a double A practice for guys, regardless of their age, that want to get better. Yeah. You know, and I, I I think that that's something that, you know, especially where we're, you know, trying to set more styles and stuff like that with some of our hitters. You know. Um, can you guys think of anything else? We were thinking about making this a short one tonight, but we haven't done one for a while. Oh, we're going to get back to the testing and explain what we're doing. So as far as the testing goes, what's going to happen then is in the spring, uh, now testing would be open a couple of times a week. You know, we'll set different age groups at different times during the week in the spring. And you can come and practice, and then you can test. So the testing system is not just open in the camp but it's open in the spring, and then we're going to open up in the fall. So it's going to be more like, you know, our, a, uh, a six-month period of time, five, six-month period of time, that if you really want to get these tests done, you can get them done. Because when we talked about Anthony, this is the boy that was going to, you know, is about to take down his level five. He's about halfway through it, if I remember correctly. And then COVID come in, and it just got crazy, you know, and I had an operation, and, so things kind of slow down a little bit, and I do most of the testing, at least all the upper-level testing. You know, you guys will do some of the level ones or level twos at times, but level three, four, and five, I, I actually do that myself. We're talking about playing objects, you know, like walls and bleaches from different angles, and 
they're, they're very difficult tests to give. And then, you know, the two-stroke stroke or the glide and, you know, some of this more intricate stuff. And I want eyes on it because, you know, I, because of the boys that passed the test before them, I don't want to give, uh, you know, this boy a, a, a level five band, which he wears on his glove wrist, uh, because Greg Banks really worked hard to pass that test. Paul Champa, these are other level five campers. Um, you know, uh, David Del Rosso comes to mind. Uh, Ryan Dana, I'm trying to think of some more. Um, there's a bunch of them. There's about a dozen, 12 or 13 of them that made it to level five. And uh, Anthony's going to be the next one. There's no question about it. But he's got to earn it. So that's what we do. And I think that's really exciting. I'm about to tell all the parents about it and all. And, and that's it, you know. So you guys got anything else? Hey, we appreciate you listening in. Uh, this has been the Ted Williams League podcast from Hanson, Massachusetts. Get, Get a, a good, good pitch, pitch to hit. I called on you to spark up all my fun. Days at the playground or right out in the street. Baseball.